Good day everyone. Recording from Johannesburg, this is The Portal, a platform which exists to evoke conversations about God and spirituality among believers and non-believers of all ages. Each week, I attempt to answer what it means to be young and madly in love with God. In this episode, we will be discussing how I lost myself and in turn found a life in God. This episode will be a glimpse into how my impromptu gap year was one of the greatest misfortunes to happen to my life and how it set me up for good. I am your host, Asemate, the aspiring human rights attorney, natural hair enthusiast, and devoted lovesick spirit for God. This is episode three of season one of The Portal. So I think to help you guys to understand how the gap year came about, I need to explain my schooling before the gap year. So from grade eight to grade 11, I was at Westridge High School, which is in the West Rand in Rodiport in Johannesburg, right? It's a public, it's a public school. Um, I was attending there and then in the midst of term one, term two, my history teacher, Mrs. Murray, approached some of us in the history class and she was telling us about an exchange program through the American Field Services. So it was a six-month program and this specific one that she wanted us to apply for was going to the United States. So we were thrilled and super excited by this new opportunity. So, so we applied and only one of us um got the scholarship my lady and she was very deserving of it um when i was told that i didn't get the scholarship i was i was shattered i won't lie and i was shattered because i had bought into the dream right i had bought into the experiences that I would have. I had bought into what type of host family I wanted, um, what of the American culture, if there is such, uh, that I wanted to experience. So I was, I was greatly, I was really shattered. Um, but afterwards, I had one of my one of my other teachers, my life orientation teachers, Mr. Aguala, approached me and she was telling me about the an opportunity from the United World Colleges. So basically, the United World Colleges, it's a movement of schools, um, 18 schools around the world, which um, have the mission to um, use difference and diversity and culture to bring about a more peaceful and sustainable future. And they hold a two-year program uh, known as the International Baccalaureate Diploma Program. And so these are the last two years of high school, grade 11 and grade 12, um, that you do at these schools. So my, my teacher approached me about that and I was honestly very reluctant about it because I was still hurt 
about the fact that I wasn't selected um, for the exchange program. So I was very reluctant about applying to the UWC, but ended up doing it, one, because um, <clears throat> my then debating coach, Miss um, Hughes, had just explained to me and put into perspective the concept of applying for opportunities to apply for them. To not think about the outcome, to not think about the process, but to think about pouring every ounce of yourself into this application and being proud of the application, no matter the outcome. So I really like that approach because I think I was still very emotional and I was clouded, so I I wouldn't be able to imagine what it would mean to go to a UWC school. So I applied and a week or two afterwards, I was notified that I needed to come to uh, regional selections. So um, all the students who had applied in the Gauteng region would then have a selections day and we would have group activities and individual interviews to then hopefully shortlist um, students for the nationals and then to go through to the different schools. So that entire process occurred and I received a scholarship to go to the Mahindra United World College of India. And so right then and there, as a 16-year-old, well, I was 16 in that year, but on the day that I left, which was actually my birthday, um, I turned 17 and I celebrated my my birthday between three countries, which was uh, South Africa, Abu Dhabi, and, 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 and India. So it was, it was, it was so beautiful. Um, my my experience at the school was so many things um things that i'm still trying to figure out which i've learned it's okay um to still be figuring out what an experience meant to you when that experience was so overwhelming i would say that going to uwc was very overwhelming because there's so much you're feeling there's so much you're doing there's there's just everything is in is in extremes you understand um because it it it's a residential school so you live there with students from over a hundred different countries and you are placed in this challenging curriculum which really needs you to be disciplined in your approach to education but also changes the way you see education so I went to that school and I was there for two years and it was honestly a remarkable, a remarkable two years. However, in the time that I went to the school, I I was really questioning my faith. I was questioning my faith a lot. And I remember this one conversation I had with one of my closest friends, Drusilla. She's from Tanzania. And we were speaking about the Old Testament. And I think both of us, what we were asking ourselves was, how can 
God and God in the Old Testament be so cruel and so hard on his children, yet that same God um, allowed his only begotten son to die on the cross for us. And so that for me was really a turning point in 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 my belief because I had believed and I had given my life to Christ at the age of 13 and I was very enthusiastic uh, about God but what I realized is that I didn't have a personal relationship with him. My relationship with God started and ended at the door of 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 the church which is 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 very dangerous when you then go out into the world and you have to stand on your own two feet and you have to stand on that faith so if that faith was attached to a place then that means that that faith wasn't there to begin with so in my second year i i drew like i was fading away from God literally I stopped reading my bible um I stopped praying and slowly but surely I began to think that he doesn't exist I began to think that yes there is a higher power um there are laws that are at play in the world but I'm not necessarily sure that that higher power is him so I didn't believe and I had I I was what we would classify an atheist and I didn't want to engage with the Bible. Um I didn't want to engage with anything that really linked me um or made me think about God or the existence of God, right? So then I graduated in 2018 in May of 2018 I graduated from the Mahindra United World College of India and at the time had been applying to universities abroad but I also intended on applying to universities in South Africa because I think that's something that the U- the UWC really nurtures um, this love for your country that you never thought you had and this balance between learning how to criticize your country um but and better it and also this place of understanding that your country is so unique um and is is so different and is so beautiful in its diversity so I wanted to apply to universities in South Africa and I remember this was a conversation I had over and over with my friends and they would constantly ask me really you want to apply to universities in South Africa and I'm like yes really because I I I love my country and that was something that I was able to say while I was at UWC and able to cultivate I was um in the application stage of of one university which is which is ie uh university in spain and i loved 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 the school um 
loved 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 the approach uh to education but more especially loved the fact that it was situated in spain so that meant that i would get to work on my spanish because i had taken spanish um in india at ab initio level which is beginner's level and so i wanted to cultivate that and i had fallen in love with bits and pieces of of spanish culture so i wanted to explore that more and by the time that august came around i thought i would be going to spain but because of finances and not being given enough scholarship from the school i wasn't able to um attend the school in spain and start as i had intended in in september of 2018 and yo yo like that was a moment where i felt so lost i felt so 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 lost um and i think a very big part of that feeling lost was the fact that throughout my life i had always defined myself by the things that i did and so a very big chunk of my identity i linked it to academics because i was part of the top 10 um i was a high achiever at school i was very like an enthusiastic scholar a participant in class so i linked a lot of my identity to that so when i wasn't able to go to school it really forced me to look at who i am and look at my identity as independent of the things that i do you know and that was hard that was so hard it was one of the hardest things i had ever had to do because i think i found safety in saying that i am an academic and using that as the box as the lenses through which to navigate life but now i wasn't registered um to an institution of of formal education therefore how could i claim um that i'm an academic without that setting you understand so i went into a bit of a spiral um in terms of my identity and also because i was coming from an international school which we very much on a daily basis discussed a multitude of things and we discussed these things in depth in relation to ourselves in relation to the world around us in relation to our futures and i came home and i didn't find those same spaces so i was struggling to belong and it was something i had struggled with my entire life but i felt that once i got to the uwc it sort of made sense why i had never fitted um in in my life in general but now that that space um of uwc was then taken it was gone it was over that experience was over so i was finding myself very lost in 
what conversations do I have now? What conversations are appropriate? And even when I try to have conversations similar to the UWC and conversations I would have in the UWC, you you could see from people's faces that ish they look they looked at me as if she thinks she's better than all of us, you know. They looked at me as if I was being condescending and demeaning. And I'm sure that's the way I came off. But I was just trying to find conversation that felt familiar. Um, but I was very lucky in that um, I have a really involved national committee. Like, shout out to the South African National Committee they are really, really involved because I got home and I think a few uh, a few days later, the current co-chair, Zola, texted me and she was telling me about the fact that there is a UWC meeting, um, there's an NC meeting and they would love to see me and they would love to catch up with what I'm doing and things like that. And that got me back into spaces which were were UWC spaces and where I was able to explore what it means to be a UWC alum, but an alum who's at home. Because most um, alums and most of the people I went to school with in India were in other countries, uh, primarily the United States. So that was a that was a blessing on its own but obviously um going to uwc events would only happen like once once in a while so in the midst of not having that constantness i was in a very dark place i was in a i was in a dark place emotionally i was in a dark place mentally it was just it was dark literally it was so dark and Yo, like, I remember there were times when, I remember there was just one week, it's so vivid in my mind, where I would sleep most of the day, and when I'm awake, I'm crying. Um, I would cry myself to sleep because I just... I just felt that hopeless. I just felt so hopeless in my abilities. I felt hopeless in who I was. I just, oh, I felt so, so, so hopeless. And I didn't know where to go and I didn't know where to turn to and I didn't know what to look at. Um, until one day, I have no clue how this happened, but I know that it happened gradually. Until one day where I was like, you know what, God, I know that you exist. But in your existence, I need you to show me that you exist, you know. Because I need to see it. I need to see your existence in order to be convinced. And it reminds me of a scripture which is Mark 9, verse 24, which says um, that the father of the child, and in this, 
in this story basically there's a child who is possessed right by deaf and dumb spirits and the disciples have been praying over this child and this child hasn't been delivered of the spirits then jesus comes and jesus is asking the father how how long the child has been possessed by the spirits and all these other things um and then he tells him that in order and jesus tells um the father in order for your son to be delivered you need to believe for everything is possible through belief but i love how the man responds to jesus and that's verse 24 and he the father of the child cried unto unto jesus and said with tears Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. And I love that scripture because it speaks directly to me of that point in my life. Where I was saying, God, I see what you're doing in other people's lives. I think you exist, but help me to see that existence, you know. The scripture is telling us about a man who's saying, God, meet me at my point of need. And my point of need was a need for an encounter, was a need of, of, of something that goes beyond other people's lives and that comes in it. it. It makes itself manifest in my life. And so for a really long time, I would say, mostly the beginning of last year i was praying this prayer right where i was like god help me in my unbelief but obviously it wasn't like me praying going on my knees and praying no it was me praying in my head because prayer comes in different forms um now i'm understanding that and i was praying in my head and i was like god god if you're real show me if you're real, show me. I think you're real. So show me. Um, and then on the 25th of July, 2019, this is a day I will never forget in the existence of my entire life. I went to a home cell service, which was happening um, in, my, in my block, in my complex at the Ndaba household. And I got there and I remember, and this is a, something I always say um, among the ministers at church uh, who are also called siblings of fire. And I say that as soon as I walked into that house, I felt at home. And for me, that was very special because home has always been a feeling for me. It's never never been a place um it's never been a place it always has been when i'm around certain certain people when i see certain things when i encounter certain things i'm able to feel at home so i walked in and i felt at home and so i sat down and it was a home cell service and apostle mazero 
then came and he he he, he spoke and he had a, a i'm sure a very powerful message i don't i don't remember the message at all um but i think it was along the lines of speaking in tongues and how we activate speaking in tongues so then he gave us an assignment at the end and said when you get home please uh pray for 2 3 2 3 minutes um and just allow god to move in your life so i went home and this was me after like almost roughly 2 years of not praying and um i started praying so i prayed and i prayed and i prayed and after some time a voice came to me and now i'm understanding that that voice is the holy spirit and it said to me i should lay down because i was in my bedroom and it was like i should lay down on the ground so i laid on the ground um with my face um facing the ground right um so my stomach on the ground instead of my back and in that moment i i felt the warmest embrace in my entire life um god hugged me he hugged me so tightly and he he hugged me so warmly and he made me feel his love and his love was so overwhelming for my heart it it literally engulfed all of who i am and you know P- prince once described it as it, it 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 feels as if your 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 heart is is melting and you wish you could just take your hand and put it in your chest and just hold that melting heart um so for me it 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 felt engulfing and it was so life changing i remember crying i cried i cried so hard and it was tears of joy it was tears of relief it it was oh thank you god that you heard me um and yeah and from that moment my life really changed so after the the 25th um i then started attending the the same church um that apostle mazero preaches at which is called rivers of revelation ministries and i started coming to church regularly 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 and in my regular coming to church in i i i i got a new life you know in 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 romans i think in the book of romans we are told that when you receive jesus christ you become a new creature the old has gone and the new has come but for me that was when you rededicate your life to jesus the old has gone and the new has come because i returned home i returned home to jesus and it was remarkable because then from that point on i started 
I started learning about God, but I started learning about him as members of the divine council, which is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And I started with God the Father. And it was hard. It was so hard because I ha- I don't have a relationship with my physical father. And so that was hard. It was hard relating to God as father. I remember watching the movie The Shack and there the protagonist's wife calls God Papa. And I remember crying during the film because I was like, God, I can't do that. I can't call you Papa when that word for me has so many negative connotations. But God taught me. God God was patient with me. God was gentle with me. And he let me through that. And then afterwards, I started learning about God the Son. Jesus, learning to have a heart of service like him. That's the one thing he taught me, service, serving from the depths of myself, worshipping from the depths of myself, giving of my time to God from the depths of myself. And then I started learning about the Holy Spirit and I'm still learning about him and of course I'm still learning about God the Father and God the Son as well but the Holy Spirit was the one that I was really marveled marveled by and I think it's because in Christianity in general we speak about God the Father and God the Son very often and they come up very often but it seems as if with the Holy Spirit We don't know how to speak about him. And so with the Holy Spirit, just allowing him, giving him that room to fill me and to to work through me. And it reminds me of of Romans 8, uh, 26, which tells us that the Spirit helps, helps us and that when we don't know what to pray for, the Spirit will intercede for us um, through groanings. And that was so powerful because in gaining this new life in God, a lot of what God was saying, he was saying, trust me. He was saying, make room for me in your life. Um, allow me to lead you. And you will come to a greater outcome. And so I made room, you know. I made room and I made room in in terms of surrendering. And I think it speaks directly to the place I was in my life. I had nothing else. I had nothing else which I wanted to have in my life. I wasn't going to school. The process was frustrating to convert my international baccalaureate into a matric equivalent. I was in a place of frustration, but most especially I was in a place of desperation. I was desperate for something to work in my life. I was desperate for direction in my life. 
And in that desperation and in that confusion, I was able to surrender. And surrendering is hard. Let me not kid you. Surrendering is not is, is hard, but it's worth it. It's not easy, but it's worth it. I needed to humble myself before God and be like, God, honestly, I have, I have nothing. And be like, God, I, I really need you to move in my life. I really need to see you right now in my life. And so that was brilliant. And, you know, it's been roughly eight months now since that first step in July and let me tell you my life has taken a complete 360 and I feel like 360 degrees is a limitation um to describing how much my life has changed I pray so much now I read the word on a day-to-day basis. I am led by the spirit when I walk into the spaces that I walk into. I have dreams. I have visions that come directly from God. I hear God clearly through my thoughts, through other people. I see God move Um in my life and in the life of people around me. Three weeks ago, I had the honor of of ministering for the first time at church. And that for me is, is a privilege that surpasses my own knowledge, my own power, my own understanding. But it, it speaks of God's power in my life because the altar is dangerous. <laughs> oh my goodness because the altar is a holy place it's a sanctified place so imagine if I stood there with all the sin that I have or all the sin that I've committed in my life I would have probably died but I stood there and I was like God I'm a vessel fill me Holy Spirit, move through me, use me, you know, and that has given me a different life. It has given me a different life, a life that I am so privileged to walk in um, and a life that I'm so, I'm so blessed to have and I'm still trying to figure out, hence this podcast as well. Um, but yeah, like I've, I've gained a life in God. And what I love, because God is a God of eternity, I've gained an eternal life. You know? Um, because John 10 Verse 10 says, the, the, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come to give life and to give it abundantly. And to give it to those that if they accept me, they shall not perish but have eternal life. Understand? So that's the life that I've gained. 
I've gained a completely different life. A life where on a day-to-day basis, I am privileged in so many ways. And I'm blessed in so many ways. Um, yeah, like, it reminds me of, of, of the story of Hannah in, in 1 Samuel chapter 1. You know, Hannah was made barren by God. He made her barren. You know, and he made her barren so that glory could come of that barrenness, so that dedication of a life could come through that barrenness, so that seeking from her side could come. And I believe that me losing myself, me going through that dark time, was God making me barren. God was making me barren because he wanted me to seek. He closed off every channel in my life so that I can only see him and seek him and want him, and need him, and be desperate for him, and to hunger for his presence, and to thirst for his presence. God needed me to to be barren. He needed me to be barren so that a Samuel could come out of that. A Samuel could come out of that, and for me, That Samuel has been my life where I have kneeled before the Lord and I'm like, God, I can never thank you for all you have done in my life, but I can rededicate my life to you and to service and to label myself as your vessel for the rest of my life. So that you can understand a portion of my thanksgiving. Because I can't thank God enough. I have a new identity. I know that I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. I'm a God on this earth. I have rivers flowing out of me. I am filled with the Holy Spirit. I know that I have a father, you know, a father who is God, a father who who behaves like a father, who guides me, who loves me unconditionally, who is gentle with me. Oh my goodness, that's that's the one of the most beautiful things I've learned on this walk with God. How gentle he is. Ah. Oh my goodness. He is so gentle. But also he is such a father and he answered me and he answered the question that made me draw away from him a few years back when I was at UWC. I saw the harshness 
in him in the Old Testament. But he was saying that that's where the discipline falls in because parenthood requires discipline. And he is our father. But it also made me see that because your parent disciplines you doesn't mean they don't love you. Because he disciplined the Israelites so many times in the Old Testament. But for those same people, he gave his only begotten son. So he's saying, I will discipline you and I will love you. And that for me was was such a beauty to understand. That he is not... A disciplining God or a loving God. He's a disciplining and loving God. And I think because the church in this day and age is built upon the fear of people going to hell, we miss the love part. We miss the love part. And I think that's the part that God wants us to understand. God wants us to feel his love. God wants us to see his love. God wants us to allow his love to come in, to fill us, to then make us alike to that love. Because that's what I've been experiencing. That's what... I have been loved intensely and have known that love for the past eight months. And it is a love that I don't know how to describe. But it is a love that is so beautiful to experience and is so beautiful to feel. And in that love, I have found life. And that love is life itself. You understand? So I have I have found a life in God where I am now yearning to be in his presence every day, all day, all the time because there's so much power and there's so much beauty in being in his presence. And that of course requires you to sacrifice, you know, because you can't be in his presence while watching Netflix. (laughs) And you can't be in his presence while talking about the next person or being on Instagram and judging other people's lives. It requires a separation. It requires a separation. It requires deciding within yourself that I am going to make room for this God to come and to fill me in the ways in which he wants to fill me and to line me up for a purpose that is bigger than myself, you know. Because in this life, I think I've understood that one of the reasons why I exist is to bring glory to God, you know. 
and glory can only come and can only make a huge impact where glory wasn't before. You understand? So, even when they speak of the death of Lazarus, right? And they're speaking about how Lazarus had died and Jesus was so, he was so relaxed. Um, and this is in John 11. And he's so relaxed and Mary and Martha are, are, are frantic because Lazarus first was sick and they come to Jesus and they want Jesus to to heal Lazarus and in in verse 4 of John 11 Jesus says do not worry do not fear and of course I'm paraphrasing here because the sickness is will not end in death but it is for the glory of God understand so it tells us that there's something that needs to occur there's a sickness that needs to occur in order to lay the foundations for the glory i don't think i would be where i am with my walk in god with my relationship with God, if the sickness of an impromptu gap year didn't happen. You understand? If the misfortune of an impromptu gap year didn't happen, it needed to happen in order for the glory which I'm experiencing in my life right now to occur. And to make such a huge impact. So I understand now why I didn't have a personal relationship with God when I was 16 and grade 11, in grade 11. Because he was preparing me for an encounter that I will have when I am 19 and on an impromptu gap year, not understanding where my life is going. An encounter which was so personal, which was literally me and him in that room. An encounter which was so intimate that has now brought about a relationship which is so personal and so intimate. A relationship where I can stand and say Jesus is alive. God lives. The Holy Spirit is real. You know. Where I don't need to argue with with anybody that doesn't believe in God. Because why? I have personal encounters to prove that he does.
And I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful to the fact that I went through a season in my life where my faith started and ended with the door at church. And now my faith starts and ends from within me. That no matter where I am, no matter who is around me, if the Spirit comes over me to pray, I will pray. If the Spirit comes over me to worship, I will worship. If the Spirit comes over me to minister upon someone's life, I will minister. Because why? God is a reality to me now. God is real to me. He has touched me. He has hugged me. He has spoken to me. He still does. He continues to speak to me. He walks before me and is my shepherd, but simultaneously walks right next to me and holds my hand. A person to me, it's that real. A person who I can sit with and have a conversation sitting on the couch. You know, he, he, he's that real to me. He's that real to me. And I needed to go through a time where he didn't seem like he existed in order to appreciate and to value this time where I see him and I can say, thank you, Father. And I can say, lead me, Father. You know, it's so much of who I am has been changing and has been evolving. And it is purely because I've been spending time with God. You know, a friend of mine, a really close friend of mine who I love dearly, Pumla, there was a time when I was, we were just catching up and she was asking me what I've been up to. And very nonchalantly, I said, oh, I've just been fasting and praying and fellowshipping with God. And because she's very spiritual, she said to me, oh, wow, what is God saying in this season of your life? And that made me understand that when you spend time in God's presence and when you spend time fellowshipping with God and when you spend time praying, it's, it's impossible not to hear him. It's impossible for him not to speak. It's impossible for him not to move. And things are happening in my life right now which... I can't even explain and I know that it's not by my power, it's not by my might. It's purely because of this spirit, God's spirit, which is moving in my life and is moving in in who I am. And now I, 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 I'm able to stand in front of a mirror, in front of people, as I journal, as as I'm alone in, in a corner and I'm able to understand who I am. 
and who God called me to be. You understand then? And see that who I am is not what I achieve. Mm -mm. Who I am is not what I've gone through. Mm -mm. Who I am is who I choose to be. And in this season of my life, who I choose to be is who God says I am. I realize that there's so much power in allowing God's definition of me to seep through in my life. You know, in moments of doubt, in moments when I feel like my self-confidence is depleting, to just stand in the mirror and to say to myself, you are joint heirs with Christ. And that makes my spirit jump. You know, to wake up every day and to realize that it's purely because God breathed life into Adam's lungs that I'm still alive. It's because I'm a descendant. I'm a descendant of that love, of God's love for humankind. I'm a descendant of that love. It's when things in my life, like for example, when I'm looking at university and I'm looking at how for like the past year and a half I've been struggling to 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 get into school and been frustrated by it and thought to myself ah this this is just the end this is the death to look towards the cross and say the same power that resurrected jesus from the cross is inside of me and that your that makes me jump that makes me excited that makes me filled with so much faith because that means that nothing is allowed to die in my life no relationship is allowed to die in my life my finances cannot die in my life my destiny my purpose my self-confidence cannot die because i have resurrection power And that has been very helpful even in my journey. Healing, you know, because healing teaches us that we are returning to our most authentic self. And what can be more authentic than God's definition of you? What can be more authentic then a Jeremiah 29 verse 11 where God says he only thinks good thoughts about us thoughts that will make us prosper and understanding that those thoughts were there before the world was formed then those thoughts will remain there after the world perishes you know 
understanding my life in God, understanding who I am is knowing I am loved. I am loved for who I am. It reminds me of Mark chapter 2, where Jesus is establishing his ministry and he's going through the city. And because Jesus is who he is, he sat among people which the Pharisees and the Sadducees didn't deem holy. People whom the Sadducees and the Pharisees judged. And I love what he says in verse 17. He says a physician doesn't come to people who are well. A doctor doesn't come to the healthy, but rather comes to the sick. And he says that he came not for the righteous, but for the sinners. You know, for the sinners. In order so that they can have righteousness. Righteousness is right standing with God. So he came for you and me. He came for you and me. A me which didn't believe that a God existed. A me which doubted God's existence. And he says, I came for you. I came for you. I came for you. You know. And to be able to convert that identity. To say I was a sinner. Now I'm a righteous woman, you know, and righteous not because of things I have done, but righteous because of the blood which was shed on the cross. It's the only thing that can make me have right standing with God. So, yeah, um, I'm very grateful that... I have been able to to share a glimpse of my journey with God with you guys. Um, it's a privilege. It's it's a privilege. It's an honor. One that I'm still trying to wrap my head around. One that I am still trying to figure out. But one that I'm very grateful to have, you know. I found a life in God. Um, a life that is so, is so, is so different um, from one that... I had and one that I, 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 I felt I had when I was when I was losing myself. Um, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the portal. Next week I will be discussing something of course, <laughs> personal as well. And I'll be discussing the 
dimensions of the fire of God upon my life, um, upon the lives of people around me. This is basically going to be looking at the type of fire which God allows us to have in us, what we need to do to to grab that fire, sustain that fire, keep that fire burning. But also what that fire brings, you know, what that fire gives, what that fire announces. So I'm very, very excited about that because it's something that God has been teaching me himself um, over the past month. It's, it's something that has been personal to my fellowship with him where he has been teaching me about these dimensions um, of the fire. And before I say goodbye, I just wanted to share that my favorite, favorite worship song at the moment is Mvini by We Will Worship. And We Will Worship is a group of South African youth. I call them youth because they look so young who have come together to just give God glory and honor. They have come together to fulfill prophecy and fulfill scripture that in the end days there will be worshipers who will worship in truth and in spirit. And Mvini means vine, which is what we know Jesus to be. And the song is just... Oh, it has been such a blessing to me and I think it carries it carries so much anointing. Um and it speaks volumes into my life right now. Um so yeah, please definitely check that song out. Um until next time, thank you so much for listening. Bye and God bless you so, so much.